0: Welcome to You, Me and the Counselling World, the podcast dedicated to student counsellors and their road to getting qualified and beyond. Today we're going to talk about private practice and a little bit about the process of how we set one up. Good afternoon. Hello, I'm back again. Sorry, as usual. Sorry, it's been a while. Oh, it's so hard to juggle everything, guys. (laughs) If only I could, if only I could manage to keep on top of this as well as keep it on top of everything else, because I so enjoy doing this. Um, And I just love, I find it so rewarding and just enjoy the process, you know, of people getting something from this. It's just so helpful for me to see how much people enjoy this and, and actually find it useful. Cause when I set this whole thing up, I, I think I set it up with a feeling of, well, I want to make a podcast for student counselors. And if it, you know, reaches like five or six people, I'll be really happy with that. Well, wow little was I to know that it would reach thousands and thousands and thousands more people than that and I am internally grateful to you all for a listening to you know me ramble on about stuff um, but b for the amazing support that you have provided since the podcast started um, and specifically this year when I know that I've not uploaded as many times as I would like to have done it would be um Amazing if I can make more time for that. And I'm going to work really hard on that in 2024, because I really do value this podcast and value all of you and all of my wonderful listeners. It is really, really lovely to have like a little community of people. And I really enjoy that. So I will try I don't know how much I can promise and I think maybe if I could at least get to like once a month which I know doesn't sound like very much but if at least I could get to consistently like uploading like once a month and then that might be really great if I can manage that Um, and I know again it's not a lot but it is what I can sort of manage right now with everything else going on and dealing with so many different things and juggling so many juggling balls in the air It's only really today that I sit here looking at my to-do list and think actually it's not looking quite as bad as it has been. Like I've got to a place where I feel a little bit on top of things a little bit better. So that's why I thought I'd sit down today and and just make a bit of time to talk to you in a bit more depth about private practice. So this subject has come out of a poll that I popped onto Facebook um, a few weeks back um And I recorded, basically, the poll came out almost split 50-50 in terms of the subjects people want me to talk about. This is the second edition that's come from the poll, really. And it's the second topic that people chose, and it is setting up private practice and the process of doing that. Now, whilst I can't sit here and give you, you know, step-by-step instructions of how to set up a private practice, I want to just talk about some tips and some things that I have felt really helpful And that I've shared with supervisees who have also found it helpful. And I just want to give some, at this point I think, some just tips to help you and things to think about along along the way. But maybe if you want more in-depth information than this, I'm really happy to make that as another episode. So please let me know. You can contact me on my Facebook page. I, I will leave the link to the page in the show notes below. But on there, please feel free. I'll pop a uh, post up there where people can come and comment on this episode. So it'd be really lovely to hear from you if you would like to come and comment and let me know what you need, especially if I'm planning some episodes for next year. It'll be lovely to hear from you. So let's think about it then. So you may well have done your training and you've completed and you're qualified and you're thinking about how on earth you start a private practice or you might be in the process of training and working really hard on placement and knowing that you want to go into private practice eventually. And once you're qualified, that's where you're hoping to head. And then you're thinking, well, what do I do next? <laughs> and I completely understand that. Um, it is that, like, what do I do next? And for me, it feels like there's fundamentals that are really, really important. I think probably the first fundamental is where will you work from? Is this something you want to do from home on Zoom? Is this something you want to do on home from home face to face? Is it something that you would like to do from a rented office somewhere? Um, or is it something that you'd like to do where you go to those rooms where you basically pay, pay per hour? That sounds a bit dodgy, doesn't it? You pay per hour <laughs> for the counselling space and then you're able to, to see your clients from there. So it's about thinking about where you want to be, where the client base might come from. But also what works for you logistically in terms of your life. We all know that counselling is a hard job to do, is a hard nut to crack. And it feels really important that you have a space that fits logistically well into your life. If you're having to travel for half an hour to get somewhere each time you want to see a client, that might leave you feeling drained and burnt out. So it's about finding the places that feel right for you. And for some people that will be working from home, and for some people would much prefer to be out of the house and doing it elsewhere. I think since the pandemic, things have really changed in the counselling world in terms of us now openly and readily being able to offer Zoom. If you had asked me before the pandemic had hit whether I would ever consider doing online counselling or online supervision, I would have categorically said no, absolutely not, Because I would have told you that I needed to see the whole of the person, that I read a lot of body language, that I need the connection in the room. And so I would have categorically would have told you not. But when the pandemic hit, everybody that was working with clients had to stop working whilst we had to go through some additional training that the professional bodies kind of rolled out really quickly. We stopped working for a short while whilst we couldn't physically see clients in the room. And then we began to be able to work on Zoom. And I have to say, from my side, that's probably one of the best things that could ever have happened because now it means I can work on Zoom really readily when I want to work on Zoom. And also, it opens up the people that I can work with to across the country. You know, I can work with people right across the, the UK. And, oh my gosh, I work with some people from all over the place. And it's lovely work to be able to do that. And of course, I can do that from the comfort of my own home in a place that is private and confidential, which is really important. When you're looking at places to work from, whether it's face to face or on Zoom, it needs to be private and confidential and place where you're able to switch off from everything else and just focus in on your client. I think that's really, really important. I used to have an office um, when I lived in a small town and It became, it was the most lovely little office. It was perfect for me and perfect for what I was trying to do with my clients, how I wanted to build my practice. But you can't control who was around you when you're renting an office. And not long after I moved in and I got really settled and I had lots of clients coming through, I found that a lady had rented the office beneath where I was and she had transferred the office into a hair salon and basically had done the work to put basins and all this sort of stuff into the um, what she now calls her studio. <laughs> and she would have music blasting through the ceiling. She would be talking really loudly over the top of the hairdryer when she's trying to blow dry people's hair. And it got to a place where it just wasn't sustainable for me to stay there. And at the time, do you know, I was really cross and I was really quite upset about the situation because I was so settled in the office before she arrived. And it was really difficult for clients, you know, and, and it was at that point where I knew that I couldn't sustain this. Like this wasn't going to be something that could work long term um, because of, you know, literally because of another tenant. I was so happy before she arrived and then everything kind of came crashing down around me when she wouldn't be respectful of the space, um, you know, she'd be shouting up up the st- up and down the stairs to her clients, she'd be talking loudly over the hairdryers, she would be blasting music, and it just, she was so disrespectful of the space, and the fact that there were other people working in offices around her, and she refused to do anything about it, and for me, it was so hard, because I felt like I'd been robbed of a place that I was happy to work from, and my practice was really growing from having my own office. So it is about thinking about what we can control and what we can't control. And for me, that was one thing I was not able to control on any level was what other people would do and who would let the space, you know. And I guess I was cross with my landlords because I, they, she kind of knew what I was doing and what I needed the space for. And to let it to somebody that was going to be so noisy just really got to me, actually. So I let the office go. I let it go during the pandemic, actually, um, because I knew that that actually when I went back, it was never going to be a place that I could go back to that wasn't without these distractions and how difficult I'd found that. And so working on Zoom for me from home has been really kind of revolutionary and has really been helpful. Um, And so many of my clients that I used to see face-to-face now say oh can we still carry on a zoom because it just fitted so well for them because they could do it in their lunch break or they could just do it from home and they wouldn't have any travel they didn't have to come out into the cold I found it to be just as therapeutic as working in the room it's a little bit different but it's just as therapeutic because I could still see them I could still see their their expressions and you know I could still get an essence of how they were feeling and they could still do the same with me and so I think that was really important for a client and for counsellor it's important to have a way of connecting with people so once you've thought about where you're going to work from there's lots of other kind of fundamental things to think about so if you're going to be working from home you need to think about insurance And by that, I don't mean professional indemnity insurance, which I'll talk about in a minute. I'm talking more about your house insurance will be different because you'll be seeing clients from home and bringing clients into your home environment. And that's not something I can advise on as such, but you would need to let your home insurance provider know that you're going to be doing this. And you will find that it limits which policies that you can buy for your home insurance in the future, because there's not so many that will allow you to... You know they don't condone it in that sense, but of course it's so common now that people work from home. Um, You know I think things will change there, but it just limits the number of policies you have available to you. So do bear that in mind that you'll need to um, let your home insurance provider know. Letting the right people know is really important, but it it shouldn't become a barrier for you. Something that stops you from doing this is just thinking about all of the behind the scenes things, I suppose. So kind of thought about where you're going to be working from and letting the appropriate people know. And that's something which you'll need to work through for yourself moving forward. But the other side of the coin is thinking about things like your indemnity insurance, a professional indemnity insurance. And this is basically insurance that provides cover for you in the event of a client making a complaint and suing you for negligence and those types of things, which I'm not going to go into because it's all a bit scary, isn't it? But knowing that you've got a really good insurance policy with plenty of cover, including legal cover, will be really, really helpful. And, you know, you really do need that to be able to practice. So I wouldn't recommend or suggest seeing any clients until you've got your cover set up. There are so many different companies um, that you can use there are lots of lots and lots and lots in the BACP Therapy Today magazine. If you have a look there, there is plenty. And with um, NCPs, I know that they also have insurers which they, you know, which they sort of speak about and advertise. So make sure that you've done your your work on that in terms of getting your cover sorted out. It's not particularly expensive, but it is really you really do need it in order to practice. So you've sorted that out. Then you've got your indemnity insurance. Your public liability insurance is for if somebody trips or falls whilst they are with you. Um, And most landlords will provide that cover as part of your rent if you're renting from them. And if you're seeing your clients at home, your home insurance provider can sometimes add that on as an add on on your policy. Or other times you can get it added on to your professional indemnity insurance and have that as a liability cover added on like bolted on basically. Um, So do make sure you've got adequate insurance that is really really important just hope that nobody will ever trip or fall but just in case they do it's really good to make sure that you've got all of your bases covered there as well. So the next thing that you might be thinking about is where do I begin in terms of professional membership because of course in order to get ourselves out there and be able to advertise with people like the counselling directory, we need to be a member of a professional body as well as having our qualification. Now, the professional bodies are the two main ones, as I'm sure you'll be aware of, are the BACP and the NCPS as they're now known. Um, so they, they're two main bodies. Now, I'm not going to get into who you should go with, but have a look at what they offer and you know, have a look at the, what they stand for, have a look at their codes of ethics and just get a real feel for what you need from your professional membership. And then you're in a place where you're able to make the best choice and try and choose the the professional organisation that feels like it's going to provide you support in the event of needing it. Essentially, is what it's there for is to help and advise you if you need something during your time as a counsellor, but also to provide a sounding board for clients who wish to make a complaint. And something feels really important about making sure that whoever is dealing with that for you in terms of which professional body you choose to go with, making sure that they they feel like the right place for those complaints to take place for you. And hopefully a complaint will never come up, I really hope. And, you know, most, most people are okay from that side. But there are complaints and they do happen sometimes and we have to be aware of it and thinking about which professional body you would like to be there in your corner with you. So that's really important to have that sorted. The other thing that people often think about and ask about is, how on earth do I get myself and my services out there? Like, how do people know where to find me? And I've already spoken a little bit about the counselling directory, and how the counselling directory itself is obviously vetted. They always will want to see details of your qualification, as well as your registration number for the professional body that you've registered with they are vetted in that sense so clients will know that when they choose their counselor from the counseling directory they're getting somebody that is qualified and is registered with a professional body where they you know but the professional body provides protection for the client once you kind of have that as a base you can use the counseling directory it's about 20 pounds a month it's not cheap but it is probably one of the leading places where people will find you. It is a really good option for getting yourself out there and getting your name spread. And actually the counselling directory are really helpful in helping with that sort of thing. And so getting yourself out there in a place that feels like the profile needs to be you, it needs to be in your words, it needs to have your voice. Does that make sense? It's not, it's, not a generic thing. You've got to talk about what you can offer to your client. Let them know what it is you're able to provide for them. The other side of this, of course, is thinking about things like websites. And again, you know, however you choose to build a website, it is really a good idea to be able to Build something either yourself or get somebody else to build it with you or for you, and build something that is you. It, it, the essence of you is there, because actually, what you're you're not selling a, a product here. You're selling what you're offering to your client is you. it's your personality? It's your holding. It's your empathy. It's you caring. That's what you're selling here when you're advertising your services. It's quite hard to be able to put that across in words and pictures and colours. And so finding a web developer that will help you to do that is really, really important. Kind of as a side note, my son, who is 17, actually builds websites for counsellors and other small businesses. If any of you ever want a website being built, you know, I will put a link to his website, which will have his portfolio and that on it. If ever you need that, then it will be there in the show notes below on this episode. So you're able to have a look. It's not me plugging him and his services. It's just that he's done that for my, for me and for lots of my supervisees and other people that I don't know. (laughs) He's done that as well. So he, you know, he can build websites on, on platforms like Wix or WordPress. I think predominantly he uses WordPress and he will, build it to your specification with as much or as little input from you as, as needed, really. You know, if you want to make this really kind of personal, you can include your own pictures that you might have taken. And obviously your wording is really important. You can design and choose the colours and how you want this to be and think about keywords. Um, or you could just provide him the wording and a photo <laughs> of yourself and, and he can build the rest depending on how you, know, on how you want it to be and tweak it but it's just finding that place. It's not going to cost you an absolute fortune to get this out there, but it does mean that you're in a place where you're able to get out onto the internet and start sharing what you're able to offer. So once you're in a place where you're able to kind of advertise via the counselling directory and a website, you might want to think about perhaps that things like social media, Facebook, maybe the obvious one. Instagram is another great option. And of course, for those of you that are down with the kids, maybe a little bit of TikTok, <laughs> um, but essentially making your Facebook or your Instagram page a business page. You want to keep this completely separate to your own personal profile. It's so important that you that you're not engaging with clients um, on a personal level through social media, and that you're only engaging via your business and via your business pages and you know sharing things on social media that just feel like they resonate and they feel like they really fit with you and with your work and what you believe in might be really really helpful to be able to just put some stuff out there and hopefully stuff that people will want to share with other people and help you to spread the word about you existing in the first place. I know lots of um counsellors have got work from some of the you know if you know if you're on Facebook you'll know about the spotted pages which you know you might have you're spotted and it'll be your local town and it's these places where people locally will go on there and say can anyone recommend a counsellor or you know can anybody recommend help with this and it's really helpful if you've got a page that people can tag you it's a really good way of starting out to get your what your name out there further and further. But it takes a little bit of time. You know, it really does. I think clients coming through a little bit like buses, you sometimes get absolutely loads in a row and then nothing for a while. And I think that it's about managing that influx and thinking about how many clients you can see. But I would say don't look at it per week. I would look at how much you want to be earning from your practice per month and and try and divvy it up through the month because... The reality is in private practice, as, as I'm sure you'll all be aware at this point, is that clients don't always come weekly. And it's so much easier if you look at your monthly incoming in terms of what you need financially and work backwards from that and say during the month, I need to earn this and make that like your minimum in terms of what you're looking for. And remembering when you're booking clients in to spread them in a way where you've got time for reflection, time for note taking. Time to have a cup of tea because it's so easy to get burnt out in this type of work. And I know we've spoken about that a little bit here before on this podcast. It's so easy to get burnt out. So really plan your diary and know exactly what it is that you're doing in terms of making sure that you've got proper gaps. And that you have proper days where you know that you're seeing clients and then days where you'll be off if that's the way that you want to set this up. Some people want to work every day. And if you can handle that, then great. But just have one eye on your own kind of self-care. I think that's such an important point, really. So I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Obviously, there's the contracting side. It is really important that you have a really good contract in place and that you are clear about it. I would always recommend finding yourself a supervisor before you set up your private practice. So before you actually start it, finding a supervisor that can help you with this process in terms of reading your contract for you and giving you some tips, making sure that everything is in there, um, looking at pitfalls, helping you with, you know, website wording even to come up with some ideas for your profile. Some of that is just so helpful to have an experienced supervisor alongside you. And then knowing that when you see your very first client, that your supervisor is already knows where you're at with everything. And if you then get any problems, you've got someone to go straight to if you need them, rather than starting, setting up private practice, seeing a client and then going, oh God, I haven't got a supervisor now and I've got an issue. Always do it the other way around. Have a supervisor in place before you start that process. And that's probably one of my biggest top tips, you know, and it's annoying. You've got to pay a little bit for supervision when you're not earning, but I think it's worth its weight in gold in reality. Now, this is not an exhaustive list by any stretch, you know, it's sort of the fundamentals that need to be thought about. If you want me to talk more in depth, let me know what you need about this subject, because this is sort of given a a sort of springboard into the subject. But I know that there's so much more I could say, but I want to do it in a way that's manageable and palatable for you all. So, let me know what you need. I will open up a Facebook post um, when the podcast goes live. I'll make sure that there's a Facebook post on my Facebook page. The link to that will be in the show notes beneath. And as I say, I will also pop a link to my son's website, just in case you're at that place where you don't know who to use and you would like to get some information from him with no pressure whatsoever. I'm not here to plug anybody's services, but just wanted to share, really. So... You know, I think that's that's okay for now. I think that's given us a really good starting point, hasn't it? It's a really big topic, there's a lot to cover. But have a think about it and drop me some comments on Facebook and we will start to make a little bit of headway in terms of what it is you all need around this. So without further ado, I just want to say a massive happy Christmas and happy new year to all of you thanks again for the most amazing support that you've given me this year and I am sorry that I've not been as consistent as I would have liked to have been but I hope you understand and realize that this podcast is really important to me and I do want to find a way to continue and I absolutely will it's just not as regular as I would like it to be so have the very best time and until next time we'll catch up again soon take care bye-bye